welcome to the latest issue of the Three Old Geeks podcast. I am under the weather, so I am putting minimal effort into this. I always put minimal effort. I'm just joining. Wait for me. Yeah. yeah okay. Joining the rest of you guys. To start off with, we have the sometimes ruinator, always contrarian, keeper of the inner sanctum, numbers guy, Keith of Keith Comics. Keith, how are you? Hi. I'll put minimal effort in, right? So I. I'm good. I'm done. I'm good to annoy everyone today. So have fun. Uh, the other guy is Brian needs one, also known as uh, other things. Do I want to? Uh, do, do, do I really want to go through all of that? Ah, he gets his style. He is the uh, man with holes in several of his collections, and who is always wrong. The dirty old geek, the clown prince of collecting, and the pictures guy, Brian. How are you? So. So, and uh, I am the ailing uh, world's oldest kid sidekick. My name is Lance. I am the words guy. Insert movie quote here. <laughs> and welcome to another issue. Brian, do you have a little news so I can take a little cat nap? Uh, I do. I have just a bit. Uh, there was a surprise announcement. Uh, you had to go to the right panel for X Men '97. Okay, the cartoon they're bringing back. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. So uh, they are um, adding to the team. So Bishop and Morph will now become regular parts of the team. Proper. Uh, and Magneto is taking over the team, much as he did in the comics, uh, in Professor X's absence. Jean Grey is pregnant. Bum, 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 bum. Jean Grey is pregnant? Yes. Are they doing this on something other than Fox Kids? Uh, I don't know where it's going to come out, but I'm sure yes. Uh, oh, it'll be on Disney. It'll be on Disney. Disney. They're getting Maury to do a paternity test, find out if it's Wolverines or, or, or they're, uh They're not. The, okay. the, the, uh, that was actually not a question, but how interesting would that have been? I'm just saying. Yeah. But they don't know whether it'll be uh, Cable or Rachel. Okay. You don't, you don't know what the Phoenix was doing. And, you know, yeah. Well, uh... down. You know what? I remembered uh, Cable being Gene and Scott's son. Yeah. And then they changed it to being uh, Scott and Madeline Pryor's son. Yeah. Who was then a clone for Gene Grey. <laughs> I don't know when they added all of this. When I was reading comics. And Rachel uh, was just the daughter of... And then Rachel was the daughter of Scott and Jean, but she was also... From the, an alternate timeline or something, right? The Hellhound in Days of Future Past. Yeah. What they are doing is putting together the um, Excalibur. Oh. the in, in the MCU. They've got... Uh, for those who watched... We'll get a Captain Secret Britain. Invasion... Uh, Which was, from what I hear, nobody. uh, And there's a good reason for that. So I've heard. The only, uh, the only shining bit of that entire show, for me, anyway, was Olivia Coleman. Her character. Uh, She's kind of the British Nick Fury. uh, If Nick Fury was a badass. (laughs) Because Olivia Coleman was... Olivia Coleman's awesome, so... Yeah. Uh, you're a scroll. No, I'm not. 
okay, and then she just cuts off his finger. <laughs> Which then falls to the ground and becomes a scroll finger. Yeah. Shall we try again? <laughs> She's yeah. She was just wicked. She was wicked. Uh, but they have... Uh, basically, they're Megan in, in Amelia Clark, who can shapeshift. But she's a super scroll now yeah, yeah. with the powers of everyone in the Marvel Universe, the MCU. Um, you have Black Knight in Kit Harrington. Kit Harrington. Uh, which I guess was a spoiler at the end of the show. As soon as I hit the credits, I turned it off. I don't know. I haven't got to the last episode yet. I'm, oh. I only watched first four yet so far. Oh, then spoilers. It's okay. <laughs> Um. Yeah, it was it was terrible, but they are setting up the uh, Excalibur, and that's kind of fun. Uh, they did mention in Avengers Endgame, uh, Captain Braddock. So there is a Braddock, though that would have been in the seventies, right? No, it would have been earlier than that uh, when Steve Rogers went back and saw Captain Carter, because she's the one who said it, and um, so it was probably Brian Braddock's dad, Brian and Betsy. Oh, you know the whole family. Uh, I do. I do know that. Uh, I don't know when it'll change and when a clone will have a baby. But anyway, and uh, the first series, first season is wrapped on that, and they're writing the second season. So it, they're uh, they're planning on at least two seasons of that. Uh, I liked X Men '97. Uh, I never thought that the animation was that great. No. And I do hope that they are uh, going to clean that up uh so that's essential uh and uh you know thank who you thank we didn't have any notable deaths this week uh some people died but uh, <clears throat> in the geek not well, friends not really. of the the geek world so uh as as death took a holiday All right, for this week's edition of the world-famous, and I have the data to prove it, Three Old Geeks Top 3 list. Gentlemen, in honor of our Geeksploitation movie this week, what are your top three revenge films of all time? And you! Okay, so number three for me, uh, this was actually hard, because all of these films uh, could easily have been number one. Um so you, you like you some revenge matics then? I do, I do. Uh, but I'm going to go for number three. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, if you haven't, I'm not going to spoil it. If you have, then we can talk about it. But uh, it's a little film. It was a little indie film called Hard Candy. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Okay, I'm thinking of Jawbreaker. <laughs> Bless you. Wow. Which is a hard candy. It is a hard candy. It's, it's one of those uh, jaw-dropping... Is it a t- is it is it in the vein of Heather's and Jawbreaker and all that kind of stuff where it's set in the high school and all that kind of stuff or, uh, no, no, it's uh, Elliot Page, um, from Umbrella Academy. Thank you. Uh, prior to the uh, switch. And she plays a young woman who takes a hostage. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. And uh, it, uh, well, it's it's an amazing little film. 
Interesting. Yeah, it is an amazing little film. It's one of those that your jaw drops when when suddenly it reveals. You're like, oh fuck, yeah. Keith, what is your number three? Well, this was a tough one because. Yeah, I know you're a big revenge matic. Automatically, I went to you know, Revenge's Jedi, Revenge's Sith, Jaws of Revenge. There's so many things that could be, but they're not really revenge movies. Uh, Composers—they're they're very deceptive. Um, I'm gonna go with it, it's it's recent. It's one that's still one of my, it's by far one of my favorites. Is the good old John Wick. That's your number three. That's my number three. Wow! 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 That's my number three. Whoa. Dude, number three. Number three. Uh, damn. Number three. I stayed away from the John Wick films just because I knew other people were going. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. I have a bunch of them. I actually have a, a, a probably. Eight or ten. As far as motivations for revenge, killing the dog and stealing your car. Yeah. Again, what I love about that is it's it's not it is killing the dog, but it's what the dog represented. Oh yeah, you killed the last vestige of his wife, last thing you gave him. And uh, my favorite part of the first John Wick was when like you could tell he lives in like the rig town. Because the sheriff pulls up and he's like, and he's a guy I've seen in a million other things or whatever. You working again, John? "Uh, You working again, John? Yeah, Yeah, you could say that. Okay. Gas leak? Yeah. (laughs) Gas leak? Gas leak. And then, uh, uh, oh God, the the fucking guy from the Warriors is the fucking cleaner guy. It's fucking awesome. Oh, it's a great movie. Love it. Uh, Still got to watch four. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's on the voodoo, so. All right, well. I hope I, I didn't take anyone's higher up. No, uh, I doubt you're going to get my number three, because I think I'm the only guy in the fucking world that likes this movie. Rolling Thunder. Not Rolling Thunder. <laughs> uh, the Steven Seagal vehicle starring the effervescent Kelly LeBrock. Ooh. And that is... Hard to kill. Oh I God, like that I think I—that is the cheesiest. I, I, I—it's I, one of those I saw in the theater. I, every time it's on, I put it on. It is as cheesy as cheesy gets. It is like the second or third lazy disc get bought after a good lazy disc. But it's just there's something about that movie. Kelly LeBrock. It's Kelly LeBrock, probably. But there's something about that movie with the revenge. And, and it's got with a, that's for my wife. Fuck you and die. I just, it's like so, like the the over-the-top 80s action movie. It, I just, I love that movie. I'm going to admit wholeheartedly to, uh, especially in the 80s, loving Steven Seagal. Yes. Uh, it, there is no question about it. You know, there was something about... Um, because he was like he was a, a keto guy, so there was like you know it was a different kind of martial art or something. So it wasn't like he was Bruce Lee or like Jackie Chan. He was like slapping and, guys and yeah. breaking their you know knees over his shoulder and all this other crazy <laughs> shit. And he had the ponytail and yeah, and and his delivery one? was he was almost like a hippie. It was a cross <laughs> between Stallone and David Carradine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, watch it. You'll see, because he wants to be action guy, but he's all mellow about it. <laughs> and, and it's got the, I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator. The blood bank. <laughs> the 
yeah. It was like he wanted to be Sloan or Schwarzenegger with the comebacks. But it was like so yeah. weird. It's yes. like Sesame Street Stallone. Yes. Sesame Street Stallone. But I, I loved him. I loved him. All right, Brian, what's your number two? I okay, I am going to... Uh, and I'm bouncing back and forth on these two, and I think I'm going to switch my original number one to my number two. I'm, I'm lancing these. I'm oh, lancing man, I'm these. I'm lancing mine, too. So yeah. Like... Uh, so the first one is uh, Old Boy, which, are you fucking kidding me with that movie? Uh, uh, it, went, it hurt at the end. I, You know what? I was just... Talk about a movie that gives you PTSD, dude. Yeah, yeah. That just was hard. It was fucking hard, but it was so well done. Uh, and then the other one is going to be um, Memento. Okay. I love that. That you can't fantastic. argue with that one. No. Yeah, it, it just drags you all the way through it, and then you get to the end, and you realize what the truth is. Ah, yeah, yeah. uh, then it's back to square one. Uh, so yeah, it was just uh, what a brilliant little idea for a film. Uh, Guy Pierce does an amazing fucking job. Karen and, Moss. And oh yeah. And Joe Pantilano. Love Joey Pants. Uh, it just is a brilliant little film. Could not argue with either one of no, those. No. Uh, my number two is also Lance. Uh, a sort of Lance. Uh, the one I'm putting on the list is sort of a quasi-remake of the other one. Okay. So Ooh. it is... Ooh. Uh, the, 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 the remake movie is Point Blank. Yes. And the remake is Payback with... with both of them are Parker novels. Yeah. Uh, okay. Didn't know that. But both yeah. of them are based off of the very first Parker novel. Yes. I mean, I can see the similarities. I can see how it works. But yeah, but Point Blank is uh, Lee Marvin. Yeah. And Payback's Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. I love the Mel Gibson one. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen Point Blank in forever. In fact, I need to buy. That. I actually just watched that not too long ago. I need ago. to buy that so I can watch it again. I, it might be free on Amazon. Okay, I will watch because yeah, I I know I've seen that one, but the Mel Gibson one is just such a, a glorious, glorious revenge movie. It's revenge on so many levels. You know, they took his money. They 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 framed the, the cops. Framed, framed him. He gets even and, with everybody. And they, then they killed his wife, and even though she was a whore. Sorry. Trade, <laughs> Don't apologize to me. <laughs> trade trademarked. By Brian. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I just love that movie. You know, you got James Colburn, uh, plays a great part in it. It's, it's just a fun, fun vengeance movie. It so is indeed. That's it, it, my number two. Those are my number twos. Awesome. All right. Um, supernatural Western. I think it was Clint Eastwood's directorial debut. I think. But. High Plains Drifter. Oh. The man with no name is essentially the ghost of the sheriff that the town watched get beaten to death, paint everything red, renames the town hell, guys come in, he kills them all, you know, they beat him, they whipped him to death and stuff like that, and then at the end, you know, I never did catch your name. Oh, I think you know what my name is. I just, I, that movie is so fucking cool, dude. It is awesome. Uh, any any Clint Eastwood in the uh, 70s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 80s. 1000s. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, he's got a couple meh ones in there, but most of his stuff is pretty solid throughout. Yeah. 
and then you could almost lance that one because he kind of almost takes the opposite so that you know that's the the, the ghost set back from hell or whatever and then pale rider is, is, is he's an angel yeah. so no. I, it's, he's a pre, yeah yeah but uh yeah. either i mean but high plains drifter by far when, when you said supernatural western the first thing i thought of was uh, uh pale rider until you said this you know directorial debut and i'm like okay that's not that yeah pale rider um Pale Rider's almost like the nicer version of yes. that or whatever, but but in High, High Plains Drifter, as far as 70s, like, gritty spaghetti, American-made spaghetti with meatballs, High Plains Drifter. And, and I'm sorry, when you said it first, I was like, I don't recall Unforgiven being a supernatural. Because <laughs> that's where I was going. I was yeah. like, oh, oh, High Plains Drifter, oh. oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hinted at it being supernatural, wow. but. Oh. Alright, what is your number one Revenge number of Attic, Number one, I am going with, uh, again, Lansing. Lansing. Two, uh, two favorite 80s films. Maybe favorite all-time films, if they're on that list. Wow. Um, Weird Science and Breakfast Club, right? <laughs> again, Kelly LeBron. The first one we're going to start off with, and I, and I forget how good this movie is until I watch it again, and then I just fall in love with it all over, uh, and then I have to listen to the soundtrack again five or six times. Uh, that is The Crow. Yes. yes. Uh, okay, that takes care of one of my number ones. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I, I hope I don't get the be... other one, but that no, movie I, just... I don't think you Although, Keith's rewrote at the end, I think would have been better, but... For many films. For many films, they should run it by him, uh, but they don't. Uh, and then the second one is just an all-time favorite. I absolutely fucking love uh, forever, and that is The Princess Bride. I am a mega vampire. Yes. You killed my father. See, I thought is about, that a pure revenge film? No, but the revenge portion of that film is yeah. the, be- like the yeah. best ever, dude. Yeah. yeah that, that, that was, that was, I didn't put it on my list because of that. Because I'm like, oh, but that's only Is it a part. pure revenge? Yeah. No. But is it? Yeah, the the journey. Yes. So no, I, I don't argue with it. But yeah, I thought about that would definitely been on my list. But I'm like, uh, it's only, it was one of those where I went uh, 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 like the, the end makes us when he's my name is Enrico Batalla. You killed my stop saying that. And that was fucking yes, the yes, greatest yes. one of the greatest exchanges in film. Yes. It gets so fucking intense. Yeah. And that he, he slices him in the same spot where he got sliced, stabbed him in the same spot he got stabbed. Promise me, promise me, uh, well, promise me everything. Yeah. I'll give you everything I got. I want my father back, you son so, of a bitch. And just, yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, that got chills. Yeah. yeah. That goes with it, yeah. I can't argue that pick at all. Um, so you stole my crow, you bastard. Um, the other part of my lance would have been... <laughs> And this may be argued... You've got 47 films now that you could just jump <laughs> it, in and it, go, oh, it, I like this one better. It may be argued just because it, you know, it is very arguable. Uh, Friday the 13th. Wow. Oh, the yeah. The mother, Mother's Revenge. The I mean, original. It's, it's, wow. not, it's not against the, the, the kid to let her son die, but it's still a vengeance film. So I, it's... I, that's why I, I, I hesitated because I don't think, well, I don't know how many of those camp counselors were around when her son died, but she does, you know, about camp counselors not watching kids. She gets revenge. So that that's why I thought it might be argued by one of you sons of bitches. Wow. But 
I don't think anyone ever thinks of that as a revenge movie because it's it's more a horror movie. But at the heart of it, the first one, and you can go on the rest of them because it's still Jason killing people. Yeah, but it's not revenge. I don't think it's after, revenge. Yeah, no, after the first one, it ain't revenge. Yeah, no, yeah. the first one that's brilliant yeah. because there is no Jason. Yeah, there's yeah. just his mom. But I don't know that the camp counselors. I don't know if they're the same camp counselors, but I, I, like I said, I figured there might be an argument from you guys, so I threw it out there. You probably wouldn't even thought about it. Uh, drug yokel. <laughs> I didn't, uh, and um, but now you're gonna argue it. No. Uh, well, he's doing research. To, what's your number one? All right, I, I was care. trying to think of my number one. You killed my master, so I have to get my revenge. Shaw Brothers. That's all of them. Sonny Chiba. I was trying to think of which one is my favorites, so I decided to go with the one that encapsulates all of them, and that is Kill Bill. Oh, there you go. You yeah. know, I looked at that and went, Yeah, oh. I figured you had that. I, I, it's... I figured you had that, and I figured you... Quentin and I are, are, are of this cut from the same cloth where he took every single cool thing he ever saw oh. in those Grindhouse 70s, you know, kung fu films coming up, and he put them all in one spot. You know, you, you can all crawl out of here, but your arms and legs belong to me now. I mean, yeah. and and the the House of 88, uh, the House of Blue, the fight in the House of Blue Leaves is the best martial arts scene I've ever seen. I thought you might have entered the dragon. Uh, and then I have to get in my two heist films <laughs> that were revenge heist films, and that is Spike Lee's Inside Man and Ocean's 13. Yeah, now you see me too. Another heist film that was a vengeance film. There you go. Uh, Star Trek 2. The Wrath of God. Wrath of God. Right there, Wrath of God. The Vengeance of Khan. The Vengeance of God. Uh, yeah, I don't think I, I had other ones, but good. that's good. I'm going to start on that. That's excellent. That was our top three. Revenge of Addicts. Let us know what yours are. So for Sunday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater, we are watching the top 10 movies, uh, martial arts movies of this decade, according to Collider, and we just watched number seven entitled Shadow from 2018, uh, directed by a pretty big uh, Hong Kong director in Zhang Yimou, who also directed two of my favorites, which are Hero and House of Flying Daggers. Mm. Very stylistic. Uh, written by Y. Lee and uh, Yimou. Coyote? And uh, starring Deng Chao, Sun Li, Zheng Kai, Wang Qianyan, and Hu Jun. And uh, this yeah. is uh, this is G- Chinese Game of Thrones ish ish. A lot less sex, a lot less action. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you have, uh... No dragons. This one, no this, dragons. This one was a slog. This one I had trouble getting through, and I'm under the weather, and I was like, oh, it's two hours, huh? And I'm, I'm about, on the second hour, I'm like, are they gonna do anything? And then... Oh, my, mine went, my stupid, whatever I was watching on, went out about, like, 40 minutes in, and I couldn't get back to it. I couldn't fast forward, so I... Ooh... That's tough. Oh, yeah, I watched it on I, Tubi, I, so... I fell asleep. I, I, I watched it on Crack. Pluto, I started... I think I started watching it on Pluto, and then I had to switch to, to Tubi. Okay. Because it, Pluto Tubi. shut down. Yeah, yeah, so you have the king of 
uh, Pei, uh, who wants to retake, they have a, a tenuous, uh, a, a tenuous alliance with the city of Jingzhou, and, uh, the commander of, uh, Peng's army goes and challenges the commander of Jingzhou's, uh, army to a duel, and basically breaks the long-standing alliance between the two. The peace has been broken. The peace has been broken. But you find out that the, the commander, the general is actually a guy posing as the real general. The real general in a previous duel had fought this guy and had a grievous wound that had totally fucked him up. Aged him, basically crippled him and stuff like that. Uh, you have the wife of the commander kind of falling in love with the, his, his shadow, his replacement. And uh, there's a lot of talking... And uh, there's probably some cultural things that that were. I mean, like the, the I I know there was some significance when he said, oh, "I'm going to cut my hair." Yeah, yeah. Well, he. I'm going to cut. It. She's going to cut off her fingers. And he goes, "No, I'll cut my hair." I'm like, "Yeah, because." Well, there's a deal. <laughs> uh, well, it was it was that was the same level of honor. Him cutting his hair was the equivalent of her cutting. I off have her a feeling finger. it was. It's the the longer your hair yeah, is, the a, more. The, yeah. Higher up and. Respect, right? Because we always see that with they have the long braid that they whip around their neck. And Shaw Brothers, so cutting your hair is a big deal. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, talk of philosophy, and is it right to supplant the commander with this? You know, he he snatched him as a orphan from the streets and trained him to be his, you know, his replacement or his his stunt double, if you will. Um, Like he effectively cut the sore open. I um I feel bad that you thought this was a slog. I thought that this was just a stunningly okay. beautiful movie. Beautiful. Okay, yes. well first of all, this the 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 the, the way they sell it on, on Collider is that this was the the like the color palette was supposed to be like Chinese ink prints. Oh. So I thought this th- this had this kind of ethereal it was all. It was wasn't black and white, but, but the faces were in color. But the rest was in like shades of gray and, and black and, lighter, and white and stuff lighter like palette, that. Which I thought was amazing. And I'm like, how they do that? It was beautiful. Uh, the story, I will admit to getting lost in the beginning. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, having it be in another language doesn't help. But I actually uh, watched. Of all things, I watched the English dub, which probably helped dubbed? a little bit. Yeah. The, whole, the only one dubbed? I could, The only one I could find on Tubi was English dub. Oh, like you said, I, oh. didn't, I didn't go to Tubi. You were in Tubi. I had uh, non-English. Oh, shit, that would made so much better for me. <laughs> Cause, oh, because like, you could have listened. Well, yeah, my, my eyes got tired, and that's why I fell asleep, because I'm trying to read this yeah. stuff. For, I At can't, midnight. I can't read it. Yeah, it was like, yeah, 1230 when I, yeah. <laughs> when I cashed out. Uh, and I had an hour and a half to go. But the story grabbed me. This story grabbed me. The amount of shit that was going on, and the amount of shit that just... Uh, these Asian filmmakers put into it, all of them, uh, Korean, uh, Taiwanese, the Indonesian, uh, Indonesian, the Japanese, the Chinese, the, the level of their storytelling, the layers is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, and how they make it all work, how they told the stories they told in two fucking hours is amazing to me. It just... What the complexity of the characters that all came through, uh, how horrific it was, and and nobody had a good story. There was not a a happy, a happy story to any of these people. Yeah, I, I, I just 
as a great martial arts movie, which is Not so much. on the list, a great martial arts movie. I'm like, are they ever going <laughs> to... There was no... There was no... Is, is there going to be a punch thrown in? Well, what they showed was, so, um, before they got into the feminine, yeah, uh, it was that neck hit. Yeah, with the stick. With the stick. That that was what fucked him up. That's what aged him and turned him into what he was. Yeah. yeah. It was that hit. And the, the, uh, the commander references that. You know, he's kind of, he's surprisingly that he survived that at all, yeah. but to be where he's at... Um, but who brings an umbrella to a stick fight? You do when you're using the feminine energy. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, well, we talk about the dance. And this one didn't have a lot of dancing in it, but when they it did... music. <laughs> it was uh, It was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. And we've already watched one... This is like the third or fourth movie with a quote-unquote iron umbrella in it. Yeah, they like those. And <laughs> Keith. Yeah, right. Dude, anyone we already listen, had. Anyone who listens to the show knows that was me. I wish I had an iron umbrella right Ooh, now. Yeah, or oh one yeah. of those fans. I need one of those fans. Yes, you do. Oh, that's not going to be pleasant. <laughs> Good thing I'm congested right now. That's all I'm saying. We gotta pause it again in the middle of a segment because of Brian's digestive tract. You've chased Keith off, Brian. Congratulations. Sorry, man. I don't think a healthy man's supposed to smell like that. No, I'm not healthy. That's not supposed to come out of nowhere. You're like my dog when it farted. It looks like a surprise. Like, what was that? I'm actually just kind of surprised I didn't shit. Are you sure? It's hard to tell from over here. This has been more exciting than the movie. It really was. Uh, and more deadly. <laughs> uh, the taking of Jing City was cool as hell. The spinning metal parasols. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> I think he shoot his brains out. <laughs> Okay, don't make me laugh. <laughs> I didn't even do it again. Jesus. I didn't even do it again. Oh, God. Oh, dear God. Why does it seem like we're 16-year-olds having a sleepover? 16-year-olds? 12-year-olds, maybe? This segment has gone to shit. <laughs> Very good, man. Okay, uh, yeah, not it was it was a little light on the kung fu, uh, as far as we're all concerned, uh, and it was it was not an action oriented, uh, but I thought some of the little twists in it were better than a lot of the movies. When she stabs him in the neck with the dagger, I just was I just needed to return this. Did not see that coming. Yeah, that was actually pretty cool. <clears throat> Did not see the king. So dying. yeah, the king's gonna marry off yeah, his yeah. younger his younger sister to, to the, young, the son of the yeah. the son of the commander Jing commander, yeah. and uh, they have an exchange of gifts. And his gift is a dagger. She joins in on the raid. 
And well, no, what he says is he's already been promised to be married to somebody else, but he'll take her as his yes, concubine. Thank you for correcting me. And so that was the big insult. And then the brother, the king, says, yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah. We can do that. We're going to peace, Yeah, right? that was just... Uh, and very rarely do I comment on it, because I don't try not to watch English dubs. The guy who voiced the king in the English dub on Tubi, uh-huh. like, like a fucking... Joffrey Baratheon level of smarm to the fucking guy, the way he voiced him and stuff like that. I was fucking hating that guy. Uh, you do. Even in his original voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not... Um, he's not a good man. And... Uh, I loved uh, the kind of Lady or the Tiger ending that they give you. So, yes, they retake... Uh, Zing City. They retake the city. Uh, they send killers to take out the original commander. They kind of leave it open-ended. Uh, the orphan Shadow goes to find his mother in the city. They find out she's been murdered. He finds out he's been murdered. The assassins go after him. Another guy steps in and says, I'm not supposed to look at your face, but would you like to go back? And uh, he does go back. Through a confluence of events, the commander, the original commander survives, comes in as what you believe with the head of the commander as a masked assassin, skewers the king. Uh, and then it turns into, what, what happens after that? That Well, so the, the shadow uh, then kills the commander. Yes. Drags the king over, who's not quite dead yet. And then shoves the sword through his side and wraps the commander's hand around right, but he frames puts the, the mask back on so they don't know it's the commander. He's just the masked he's assassin. He's a faceless assassin. Yeah, so the commander uh, betrays the shadow, who he's kept captive his entire life. Yeah. Who falls in love with the wife of the commander. They, because it's going to be his last night and she's also in love with him, have sex, to which the creepy old commander watches. So he wants to kill the Shadow for, for having sex with, with his wife. wife. Uh, betrays him, kills the mother, sets the assassins. The, the assassins, uh, the king sends assassins to kill the commander, uh, who who wins even in his weakened state. Uh, so he frames the, the commander as the faceless assassin to kill the king. He walks out and says, "The king is your king has been assassinated, uh, but I killed the." Assassin on the spot. Uh, and then the wife freaks out and she goes running down. And as she gets to the door, she has the realization that she can say he's the shadow or he's the commander. He's the commander. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't know. And my feeling was is when uh, she did it so well was that she was about to just say he's the commander. That was kind of the vibe I got. She was over her panic and thinking. Good sum up, Brian. Huh? Good sum up. Thank yeah. you. I thought it was a. I, like I said, uh, the levels at which. That's where I kind of made the comparison to Game of Thrones. Is yes. that there was a bunch of intrigue going on and stuff like that. No, and it's an apt description because that's yeah, you fit that all into two hours and how I don't know, and then uh, just make it a painting come to life. So the throne room of the king 
was like these. The, the, I, it was supposed to be silks or something like that with the tapestries, like yeah, tapestries yeah. that they were translucent. Yes, one of the most amazing visuals I've seen in a film ever in any movie. I thought it was amazing. Um, the action in this, and again, uh, both Hero and House of Flying Daggers, uh, Jamu is uh, is real famous for his kind of stylized digital. The, the like they they they're fighting in the rain, and you're seeing like water droplets coming off of the spears, and um, just some amazing visuals in this. Yeah, it had the seven day rain, which was um, it had something. I mean, it was significant. Yeah. If if it was raining in three more days, this would happen or something, and it was still raining, but it was um. The, the yin and yang symbol and how yeah. he worked that into it. Yeah, so he floats a boat up with the yin and yang symbol on it. He's been practicing to that on that particular pad. Then they've got a hundred, what do they call it, a hundred criminals that we've trained to infiltrate <clears throat> the city underneath it and stuff like that. That little, a, a neat little commando excur- excursion. They have repeating crossbows. Yes. Which was in, uh, in their gauntlet, almost like Mad Max or something like that. That was kind of cool. Uh, I was not crazy about the double umbrella spinning down the street spinning thing. Spinning down the street thing, but I, again, I wasn't in the best of moods when I watched this one. But no, no. Uh, it, even if you were in a good mood and you loved the movie a lot, like I was doing, uh, that was not a good one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> again, why would you want to get to the battle and then vomit? Yeah. Because you just spun for a mile and a half. Uh. But the Iron Umbrellas, every it seems like progressively, like the first one we watched was one of the worst kung fu movies we've ever watched. And they pr- progressively, like somebody said, boy, that's a really cool concept. It was a shitty execution. And then they come up with this even better execution of the Iron Umbrella and stuff like that. And this one was was interesting. In, in, uh, you could launch the, the tines of the umbrella. Yes. Like a, like a, like an arrow or something like that. And then they were very effective. And the, the, the one side had the... Uh, uh, there's a it's a uh, there's a Chinese name for it, but it's essentially a, a sword blade on a spear handle. They called it a saber in the the, the English translation, and it, they were very effective in blocking the other army's sabers. Like they get tangled up in like the tines of the umbrella and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Well, and that was the whole point to it. And and what I thought was interesting is when they when you get to the commander and it's the actual battle because we've been practicing it up through the movie. They show you all the moves yeah, that yeah. they've been practicing, like the, the dragging of the stick through the water, and how he did that with the with the saber blade, and how and to get to the to the end one where he's supposed to get it caught, and then you spin the parasol and it flips the blade off, yeah. which then works. But then the commander jumps up and grabs it in midair. No shit, which and, was yeah. badass as shit. Yeah, uh, so it didn't work as well as uh, so the, the the shadow doesn't end up. I mean, he doesn't walk away from this unscathed. Oh, no. He, uh, but he does defeat him. And he defeats him with the broken tine of the umbrella. He breaks it, and that's what he stabs him with. Oh, and when he, the shattered deck of the boat, when he slides him into that. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, That, that was brutal. That yeah. was as brutal as anything we saw in fucking The Night Comes For Us or whatever. Oh. He's, like, pulling himself off the bamboo, like, yes. the broken bamboo. He's like, oh, jeez, dude. Yeah, and the guy's pushing him on it. Oh, it was fucking wicked. I, I this one this I really enjoyed this movie I really enjoyed Keith this what movie. what did you have to say I honestly fell asleep about forty minutes into it again and it was like 
one thirty in the morning, two o'clock in the morning when I woke up, and I would have started over again. Mm-mm. So you basically watched forty minutes of it yeah, and yeah, gave up. Yeah. Got it. He had to. There's no I way. I had to restart, and, and I fell asleep during the restart because, like, no. So I did not watch it because that was my last night. Last night when I was watching. Well, I would suggest watching it sometime I'm during the to. day. I'm going to watch on to be dubbed. Yeah, so you can so watch I, it in the like store. My eyes aren't burning from trying to read the. And they go pretty fast. And small. There's a lot of dialogue really you small, miss. It was really small font too. Yeah, it was. Uh, you miss things. I had to rewind a couple of times. All right, so Keith, you're off the hook on this one, Brian. What are we going to rate? Uh, oh, this is a five star to me. You think it's a five star? Absolutely. All right. Uh, not on action. This is not the story. I mean, it looked beautiful. I can. Yeah, the, but the look and the story. Oh my God, this is as good as anything you would get anywhere. All ever. right. Well, going into this, I was looking for martial arts. It was very practical martial arts. There was a, a couple of good bits in it and stuff like that. Stylistically, one of the, the best looking movies I've ever seen. Three and a half, three and a half stars. It's it, you're not putting this on the deadly venom scale. No, this is not a deadly venom. All right. Well, that was number seven. Shadow, beautiful film. Give it a watch. Let us know what you think. All right. So for. This week's edition of Geeksploitation. We watch one that's been on my radar for a little while here, and I was really looking forward to it. And that is 1977's Rolling Thunder, directed by John Flynn, written by Paul Schrader and Haywood Gould, and starring William Devane, Tommy Lee Jones, and Linda Haynes, and... Keith, I think you coined the term revengematic. Yeah, I don't know if I coined it, but I used it. Yes. Uh, this is revengematic. Yes. yes. And uh, I uh, just read um, Quentin Tarantino's book. He named his uh, production company after this film. It's one of his favorites. I was looking forward to it, and I'm still trying to make up my mind on this because it was completely not what I was expecting. And maybe I forgot what good movie making is, and like, you would you coined this before, but like seventies movies, it was more story than action. Yeah, the the slow, kind of the slow, the slow build to yeah. the action at the end, and um, this movie, I I I, I guess the, with a title like Rolling Thunder, you're expecting this was such a quiet movie. Yeah, it was slow burn. I I I hadn't seen it since what. The 80s, early 80s, and uh, when we had on TV or Spectrum, and I saw it, and I, like, I loved it back then. Yeah, seeing it 40 years later, slightly different. It, it, I didn't remember being slow at points. I didn't remember. Uh, I think we've been poisoned by like the nonstop action yeah. that we're, we're kind of subjected to with all the modern stuff and stuff like yeah. that. This was, uh, this was more of a... This was like drama with some violent bits thrown in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. When are you looking like we're saying things that don't make sense? No, I'm I'm enjoying your conversation. Okay. Uh, but? I, who can find anything to love in any movie, this was one that I really, God, wish I had my time back. I There really? was nothing about this film that I liked. Wow. There was nothing about this. I, it was like five or six bad stories cobbled together the acting was subpar the uh it reminded me of a 
early, early after school special. You know how you have that seventies realistic, like when they're coming in, they're panning the crowd, and you can tell that they're people who lived in the town. Yeah, and they're just there to be in a movie. We're gonna be in a movie. Fucking horrible. Wow. William Devane was what? I uh, thought that, I thought Devane was so. Like he really came across as like bro, like something was missing yeah, from him. Yeah, he something been taken from him. It yeah, tortured out of him. His acting ability. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! God. Wow! Uh, and and what a, what a horrible fucking story to come back after seven years in a POW camp where he's been tortured every day. Uh, by the way, the cleanest POW camp I've ever seen in my life. Uh, thank you for that, whoever directed this. It was a clinical POW camp. Yes, very that? much so. They, I'm that, surprised they, they didn't they, wear rubber gloves They and just masks. showed it at the end after it renovated. Yeah. <laughs> so, we just so, painted. So, we just painted yeah, camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, he gets off the plane. He comes home, and his wife, he's, he's dealing with his son, who he knew was 18-month-old. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And then, I've been with another man. I didn't know you were coming back. Cliff, he just came around. I didn't think it was going to happen. Then it did, and then he asked me to marry him. And I said, yeah. And I said I would, because I didn't think I'd ever see you again. And I really was like, oh, stab her in the throat. Stab her in the throat. <laughs> you couldn't at least just blow him? He's been in a POW camp well, for seven years, too. you know? She's talking about wearing a, a something. He goes, do you want me to try She asked, do you want me to try it on? I'm like, oh. Okay. Oh, he heard about mini Yeah, the mini skirts. Yeah, you want yeah. me to try one on? No, you're a whore. Uh, like, you're an adulterous whore. But he didn't know that at the cool. point. Well, he knew that it. Would be f- you could smell it on her. <laughs> wow. But, uh, are you projecting a little bit? <laughs> yeah, Brian, are you projecting a little bit? Then they, they stick his hand. Okay, and then it leads to the worst uh, the worst torture scene I've ever seen. I, I really. Which one? Uh, when yeah. he's sitting on the couch and the guy's, where's your money? And the guy, whoop. He hits him, whoop. He didn't hit him. He just pushed his face into the couch. Push. Push. That was the worst. Well, he's been through the Vietnamese. He'll never talk like that. And then, and, and, and no, he won't, because you didn't do it. You pushed his face. You just pushed it. You didn't hit him. And then they stick his hand in the uh, garbage, disposal. garbage disposal. Now, in the original cut, they actually show it. And they pull yeah. his hand out, and they were worried that it was going to be an X rating. Okay. The MPAA was going to give it an X rating. No, they didn't even... The only reason they pulled it out is because at the, the screening of it, one lady fainted, another guy immediately got up and ran out and said he wanted his money back. And and other people were like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. Because I guess it looked realistic. Okay, I mean, yeah. like a. I watched Keith's DVD of it, and it was literally... They pulled it out, they threw a towel over it, and then blood started seeping through it. Now, I thought it was interesting that that... With the garbage disposal, and when they shot his wife and kid, clinical. You don't see anything. Right. It wasn't Nothing gory, there. and all the the the, the bloodletting was all with the bad guys. Yeah. Uh huh. I thought that was an interesting choice on the part of the director. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. Very. You uh, cannot tell me. You are obviously disappointed by this film. You cannot tell me that James Best was the scummiest, oiliest, fucking redneck motherfucker. I thought he was fucking fantastic, yes, dude. and completely underused. Uh, totally. I mean, they, they totally needed... He needed to have... And he was the first one killed. Yeah. 
It's like it's I quick. thought I thought he was going to be like the last guy to go out. Should have and... been. Should have been. Uh, yeah, he was really good. Yeah, so then he hooks up with the girl for, who gave him the fucking silver dollars. Yeah. Which, by the way, I did take a look at. So that $2,556, because it was 2555 plus one for good luck. Uh, that would be worth $17,850 today. So that's, that's a good chunk of change. It is. Now, if you take it as a silver dollar, because those are worth anywhere from between 10 and and 100 bucks, between depending upon. But generally, they said $17. So it would be for, um, 43, oh, yeah, $43,452 in today's money. That big chest of, which I thought was pretty cool. Where does he get the numbers from, Keith? I don't know. It's, it's... What do you mean? You're Keith not usually. usually numbers guy at all. Oh, well, you guys just didn't do your homework. Oh, is that what it is? Oh. I, had, I had time to do the homework. You did? Because this was the most boring fucking movie I've ever watched in wow. my entire fucking life. Wow. Uh, I can say the same thing about Shadow, but okay. At least Shadow was beautiful. True. At least Shadow... It was interesting to look at. It was beautiful. And had a decent story that ran all the way through. If, if, if I had... They actually dubbed. Maybe I could notice all the beauty, but too busy trying to read the film. Uh, you know what? There's no way you can compare these two films. There's I'm no not, way. No, they're, they're completely you different. You cannot. Whatever. Yeah, you cannot. All right. And I thought Tommy Lee Jones was another one where it was like, well, I found all the guys that killed my son. Let me get my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best line in the, the yeah, best yeah. scene in the movie is him. He doesn't even, I'll get my gear. Yeah, I'll get my gear. Throwing it all in there and just leaves it. Yeah. Where are you going? The guy who played his dad originally did not want to play the part because he did not like the profanity. And then he had ice cubes under his hat to make it look like he was sweating all the time, which I thought was a cool little touch. Uh, But he then agreed to play it because of William Devane and Tommy Lee Jones. Now, just some interesting facts about William Devane that I did not know because I like William Devane. Yes. He mostly plays political. He usually mostly plays Robert Kennedy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his father was FDR's chauffeur when he was the governor of New York. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, he originated the role of Randall P. McMurphy on Broadway. That's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I can see that. So the Jack Nicholson yeah. role, he originated on Broadway. Um, and both he and Tommy Lee Jones are avid polo players. Wow. I had no idea. Oh, yeah, they're I, both... I didn't know anyone was having polo players. I did not either, and then um, then it, then it, I found that out, and I was uh, intrigued. Yeah, it was probably after this movie? That they got into polo? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking. Okay. I'm thinking. Uh, and, of course, Tommy uh, Lee was Al Gore's roommate in college. Yeah, because they both went to Harvard. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, obviously, they've done pretty well. Um, so, any... Uh, oh, and then I don't know if either of you noticed... When he stops to fill up the Cadillac, it's forty-nine cents a gallon for gas. <laughs> I did see that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I thought Linda Haynes was. Uh, I don't even understand that part of the story. I don't even understand. Uh, maybe it's just to show you that his dick worked. That is all I can think of, because uh, she's stupid in the movie, completely. Uh, irrelevant to the story you know what that i will agree with you i will totally agree I, like i i didn't get why she, why she was there 
No, there was really no reason. I, there was really no reason unless they wanted to somehow reiterate that something was broken in him. But yeah, I mean, so the guy who wrote this also wrote Taxi Driver. Yes, Paul Schrader very famously is a pretty famous screenwriter, and he was pissed at this movie because it was not. This was supposed to be uh, kind of a diatribe on fascism and racism, and they changed it. The William Devane character was supposed to be racist as hell. And he was supposed to be just killing Mexicans. They changed it, and he was not happy with it. Uh, you do get that racist flavor when they're having that uh, the dinner yeah. at Tommy Lee Jones' place. Um, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't as hard as... Originally. Yeah. But outside of, of wanting to show that he's broken and that there's something, they could there was a thousand other ways yeah. they could have done that. They could have done that with the wife before she gets killed. They could have just stretched that out another ten minutes uh, and had some dialogue with the wife. Because then you get fucking Cliff over there, who, if I was a war hero, I would have fucking beat his ass. Yeah. You don't come over to my house. You're fucking my wife. And, and I find that out the day I get back. Yeah, I don't think I'd let you torture me. Yeah. Well, I don't think I wouldn't have a beer with you. So how is my wife? Has she gotten any better? <laughs> uh, it was it was stupid. Um, I just didn't. And don't call my boy Runt. Seriously. Uh, and then Deputy Cliff made no sense because he just goes get... and dies in a Mexican. I want to know where that building was though. That was what pretty was cool. that? That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that's what I couldn't figure out is what was the whole purpose of, the, you know, other than showing Deputy Cliff, okay, he's the one banging this guy, banging uh, Reigns' wife. Uh-huh. He's after Reigns for what? He wants, no, he wants the guys. He wants revenge, too. Okay, he yeah. wants revenge. Because he yeah. killed his, his uh, adulterous whore. But, like, did you need to, like, did you need to include that? Again, no. it was sort of like... Why did you need to? Why did you? Even why was need he to there? Have this? Why? Yeah. Why he really needs to chase the guy, who was a nothing to the story when, when, uh, Devane put his hook through his yeah. hand, uh, which was a weak scene, by the way, um, but yeah, now you need to include that guy again, who's nothing to the story, along with Deputy Cliff, who's nothing to the story, and then we have the chase through the cattle yards. Leading up into all, all Mexican guy had to do was go around the corner, and Deputy Cliff would have kept running. Deputy Cliff had no idea where he was, and then Deputy Cliff turns out to be the the fucking best shot I've ever seen in a movie ever. He shoots two times and kills two guys. Uh, wow, wow, while under fire, he's fucking great. Uh, and then they kill him, and then they show a young Mexican kid who's now. Um, Scarred for life because he's watched like eight guys die. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. He's been that kid seemed like he was pretty salty, so yeah, I don't yeah. know. Well, obviously he probably lives in that kind first, of violence. Probably not the first death he's seen. So yeah, I mean that's he's, he lives in a culture of violence, and poor him. Uh, it's like the kids in Chicago. I don't even. You could see it in their eyes. The innocence lost just from being in that city. Wow! <laughs> wow! And then, uh, yeah, then he goes and gets Tommy Lee Jones. And that was a weird scene. That was just a, a bizarre little interlude to what? 
I didn't even understand. And then, uh, yeah, and that well, he leaves. Then he leaves Linda Haynes in the hotel room, and she calls the police, and then decides she's not going to call the police, and then she's gone. She's just done. Uh, then they have the weird, bizarre little Tommy Lee Jones dinner thing. Uh, then they go to the whorehouse where Tommy Lee Jones gets a hand job. What? Uh, Gotta kill time. Waiting for the clicking of the gun. But it, whoever played the prostitute in that, uh, that was this was her first film, and she's got a, a pretty big. Uh, she looked familiar. Yes, yeah, she did, she's yeah. got a pretty big, uh, extensive resume. resume. She's yeah, she's a, a favorite. Um, but uh, that was a bizarre little scene. And then they kill everybody in the last like four minutes, and then they're of course going to die because the wounds they've suffered. Uh, it ended very much like a shot. Of yeah, I was. I thought the yes. exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, and then they just walk out, and I was like, "What? Really? I what?" What? What did I just watch? What did I just watch? Sure, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> so, Keith, you said you saw this back when you were a young man, yeah, yeah. and now uh, you watched it 40 years later or whatever. Yes, it, it's a lot slower. It's, it, it, it really, again, makes me remember the 70s films are, are long-winded, and, <laughs> and action was not action then. What I, I don't disagree with uh, taking some time with the story. I don't disagree with um, letting your actors build character, and I, I don't disagree but with anyone. Didn't really do this that. was so horribly directed. It is not William Devane, nor is it Tommy Lee Jones' fault that this movie went the way it went. Uh, I did find it interesting. Linda Haynes, uh, she worked up until like the eighties, nineteen eighty, and then she just went. Uh, there was a lot of drinking and drugs and acting, and I just didn't like it anymore. So I stopped, and then she became a paralegal and had kids. She wanted to have kids. I just thought that was interesting. Good on you. It was the direction. It was the direction, not the the actors. William Devane is a brilliant actor. Tommy Lee Jones, please. Um, there were all, who's the one guy, the greasy guy, James Best. Yeah, James love Best. him. Uh, there were a lot of elements to this that were really good that could have been. Uh, it was not a coherent story. It was not. Uh, it was supposed to be linear, but the but the pieces didn't make sense together. None of it really did. Why didn't they use Linda Haynes for help for the jumping in for the revenge thing too? Um, yeah, that was the thing. Now that, that the one thing that they teased was that she knew how to shoot a gun. She knew yeah, how to yeah, shoot yeah, a gun, yeah. and I thought for sure. And maybe I don't know, maybe that was intentional or whatever, but I thought for sure she's going in, in guns blazes into that whorehouse or whatever. Yeah, and she looked I, great in a tank top. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I had to point out the positives as well as the negatives. Uh and and yeah, he leaves her behind. I mean, like you know, and understandably leaves her behind in the hotel room or whatever. But I thought for sure she was. I, I thought that would have made, even made the movie if she was part of the revenge plot. Yeah. Uh, and she could have been, but, uh... I knew she wasn't gonna, but I, I was thinking, oh, she might come up at the end and, and save their asses, yeah. but, but, having seen it before, I knew that wasn't gonna happen, but I'm like, when I wa- originally watched it, I don't remember putting that together, that, you know, they show a shooting rifle and they don't do anything with it. Uh, there's a lot to this that just didn't make sense. Um... I understand that Devane not taking her with, because he doesn't want someone else dying. Right. No, that makes sense. I mean, you know, it, it, Tommy Lee Jones is a soldier, so that that's, you know, 
they live with that stuff all the time. And they almost needed it, but then again, they didn't impress that uh, that point either. I mean, yeah. this is stuff that fifty years later we look back and we go, okay, there's a, a psycho babble bullshit kind of we understand a little bit more but uh that they didn't understand in the 70s because well they were just ignorant savages though i do love uh reaching back because this film was set in the time that we lived um i would have been nine years old no i would have been seven years old seven years old i can figure out the silver dollars but i can't figure out my own goddamn age uh but so this was a world I grew up in with 50 cents a gallon gas and uh, rotary phones, which I thought was interesting. Still have one. Just let you know. Does it work? It's one in my dad's house does, yeah. Oh. All right. So kind of a yeah. mixed bag on Rolling Thunder here. Again, I with the height, and this was one of those ones where I, you know, oh, it's Quentin Tarantino's favorite movie. Walking into this, I was like expecting this and I got that. So what do we uh, what do we think on a, on a, on the Meyer scale here, boys? Oh, it got made, and gas was fifty cents a gallon. So I'm I'm going to give it a strong one and a half. Wow, fifty cents a gallon. Well, it got made. Gas was fifty cents a gallon. It made Brian do math, which you know is like an act of fucking God. The guy who, who liked the movies least did the most research. So, I'm just, it, it, it's perplexing. Um, you it's know. like an atheist knowing the Bible so well. <laughs> but but you, were, were you preparing for arguments? Is that what no. You were? No. I think that's the only time, only reason atheists do that. No, I try to do a little research because I find things interesting. I, uh, you know, had, had it before I've seen it again. It probably been like a three and a half, four. It's more like a two and a half, maybe three, two and three quarters. It was funny. I was talking to my roommate, and we were talking about it. And I was talking about how much I hated it, and and she was like, "Oh, you mean it's not as good as you remember it when you saw it at seven? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's when it was boobs and guns. Yeah, that's uh, all I would have walked away with. Uh, yeah, you know what? Again, with the hype coming into this and stuff like that, I actually thought Devane was, like. I thought it was, Devane was awesome. I thought Tommy Lee Jones, for the three minutes he was in this yes. movie, was awesome. James Best was fucking, again, the, the, the five minutes he's on screen, yeah. I thought he was awesome. Uh, I was waiting for fight shoes. But you've just given us six minutes. I know. I know. I and know. the rest of this movie, and then the rest of this movie, it was, seemed like everything else was kind of tacked on. Yeah. Um, two and a half stars. Glad I watched it. Do I need to watch it again now? Uh, that was Geeksploitation. Rolling Thunder. Your vi- your mileage may vary. Forgive him, <laughs> Quentin. Forgive him. For he knows not what he does. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right. Well, I was an idiot last week and uh, thought I had watched Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and I didn't. So we're going to do a catch-up on two episodes, and those two episodes are... Uh, episode 6, which is Lost in Translation, and Episode 7, which is Those Old Scientists, which is the crossover with Lower Decks. So, Lost in Translation, the Enterprise is at a Deutronium refinery. Uh, Ohura starts having 
horrifying visions of uh, Hammer, like de- yes. Dead Hammer, yeah. Dead Hammer, the the uh, crew getting it. sucked out of the the front of the observation screen starts, you know, really kind of freaking out. Uh, Kirk is there. Uh, some nice bits with him, and uh, we find out that there are living creatures in the Deutronium that are communicating with her telepathically and explaining, you are killing us, please stop the refinery. And they uh, destroy the refinery with a burst of photon torpedoes, and all is right with the world. This is... <clears throat> uh, this is... Um, I can't get to... You're doing voices. Dude, I, can't, I, I didn't think I was that <laughs> contagious. You're, you're doing voices. Uh, I'm a little flemmy. I'm a little flemmy. This is classic Star Trek. Uh, a life form that we didn't know about that suddenly uh, we now know about and we're hurting in some way. Yeah. Uh, every series has done this. Uh, uh, this was Demon in the Dark, the Horda. And we're, we're mining and uh, we're killing the eggs of the Horda and we didn't know and it's getting back in retaliation. And uh, Yeah, these are... Uh, <coughs> Oh, what was the first episode of Next Generation? Was uh, the Starfish spaceship that they built the city on, and but it was a living being, and oh, look at them touch. Ooh, with the tentacles, which is the worst uh, effects in a... Even out of the original, it was the worst of little tentacles going over to touch each other. Uh, anyway, uh... <laughs> This is uh, this is constantly uh, this is a cause. So I saw this coming. This was not a shock. I thought the horror elements were pretty cool. I I thought uh, zombie uh, Hemmer was pretty. It, it got it caught me. I was like, oh, what the yeah. fuck? You know, it was pretty pretty spooky. Yes, I kind of wish that they had pushed that horror aspect a little further. Yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. I thought the guy going crazy was pretty good, and then he killed himself, and that was pretty good. Uh, Rarely do you see somebody, I mean, and I haven't watched every single Star, Star Trek thing, but airlocking I thought was reserved to for Battlestar Galactica or whatever. Yeah, that's not a Star Trek kind of thing. You don't see a lot of suicides in Star Trek. No. Oh, it's a great place to be a part of, right? Yeah, it is. Anyway, it was your pretty standard, you know, like I said, the horror elements were what set it apart. I think the crux of this episode is the very end where uh, Kirk and... Uhura are having a drink in the bar, and she says, oh, this is Lieutenant Spock. Yes. And they, and, you know, the, the landmark of they meet for the first time. Uh, and, yeah, you had that little bit of fan service in there. Uh, and Kirk's playing long game, setting up that kiss he gets later on. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, he is. But they were mind-controlled when they did the kiss thing. Oh, sure they were. That's what the reports say. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pretty standard, fun little episode. Keith, what did you think? Yeah, it was a good episode. I, you know, yeah, it was predictable on most ends, but it was good. It got back to what we like yeah, yeah. about the show. And, and I always enjoy a Uhura episode. Uhura? She is fantastic. Yeah, she, she is. She really is. She's bringing it, you know? Yep. And I'm getting used to Kirk. So am I, kind of, yeah. Kind of. So, Kirk-wise, how, what did we think of Kirk this episode? Was he... Kirk enough for everybody, or he's very Kirkish. You know what? Is he ever going to be Kirk enough? No. Is he ever going to be Shatner? No. He'll never be classic Kirk. No. Well, no, you have to let go of that. Kirk. Yeah, and not unlike uh, Coke discovered. 
I don't think anyone can go back to classic Kirk. I know. Well, they should try. Okay, so we got a standard episode and we got a wacky ass episode, which I loved. Wow. You have the crossover with Lower Decks, and uh, you have uh, the uh, Brad uh, Boimler or Boimler or whatever. Boimler. Boimler. Uh, step into a classic Trek portal. And, and it's I liked the fact that it was such a matter of, oh, it's a portal. It's a time yeah. portal. Yeah, they're just laying around everywhere or whatever. And um, he t- he goes back in time to the time of uh, 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 Pike. There's all, all the, and, and it was a fun time travel where it's, it's I can't tell you anything. And then he fucks up and says, oh, well, but your birthday's a holiday, you know, it, and it was it was literally a fanboy on the Enterprise. Yes. So they're trying to figure out a way to get him back. The Orions uh, steal the portal, and it's uh, Beckett Mariner is his pal, the, the 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 gal, and she goes back in time and uses up the last of the of the you know extronium or whatever to uh, <laughs> unobtainium or whatever. Yeah. To uh, to go back in time to try to save him, and uh, we a nice reference. Uh, I thought it was a really, I, and not even watched one episode of uh, of the what the, the one with um, uh, uh, Enterprise. Enterprise, yeah. Uh, oh, we you always build uh, the the new version of the ship with an old version of the ship, so there's a stash of unobtainium and stuff like that. That was great. Beckett Mariner is a total fangirl to Ohura, which I thought yes. was great. All in all, a nifty little fun crossover episode, and my one of the best endings. Where they well, first of all, the opening se- the, the the opening credit sequence, I always watch it, and I'm glad I always watch it because they did the animated version. Yep, yeah, which was awesome. Yep, uh, it's Titmouse uh, Animation Studios, who's responsible for a ton of my favorite modern uh, animation stuff. Oh, and uh, the very end, they do the you know they send uh, Boimler and back at home. They go back to the animated version, and then you get the animated version of the crew of the Enterprise. Yeah, you figure out that. They think they're animated because they're drinking Orion booze. Yes. yes. I was laughing my ass off. My arm does not do this normally. <laughs> I feel so two-dimensional. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. It was, uh, they played with that and did well with that. And you know what? I, I, I went back and started watching Lower Decks, which is not a bad little show. Uh, I, I got a Futurama vibe off of it. I, if, it's, if it's half as good as Futurama, it's good. Uh, I don't have a lot of time in my life to go for another series, but if I ever retire or whatever, I'll start watching that guy. One of my customers is his favorite Star Trek. Oh. Yeah. So, oh. But he was excited about this and talked about it for weeks leading up to it. And wow. Uh, I thought it was a great little episode. Um, I, yeah, I did laugh at how they handled... It was one of the best time travel fanboy, yeah, you keep spilling, well, what if I knew how to do it? Yeah. And you didn't look. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, uh, can we do that? It was all tied up in the cables and stuff like that. That was good. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the way you kept on looking at Una, and she's like, okay, what the fuck did I do? Yes. (laughs) He has a poster of you in his bunk. She's like, what? You mean like a pinup? Well, it's technically pinned up in his bunk. (laughs) And then they showed it at the end, which yeah, I thought yeah. was cute. But you know what? And I thought that they could have kind of played that a little bit more towards the... Because um, the first episode was the trial, or yeah. the second yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's where they came from. Yeah, and I think crew. that they could have played that up a little bit. I think that would have been funny. 
And then uh, the Orions, who have a reputation as being space pirates and sexy green chicks, uh, they have an, apparently an Orion crew member that's their friend or whatever in, yes. in Lower Decks or whatever, and uh, she's a scientist. And and all the Orions were looking for was, hey, can, you know, we're going to give you credit for finding this porthole because yeah. you're a scientist, and that was kind of cool. It was her ancestor who... She yeah, was on so, the yeah, ship. Yeah, they couldn't yeah, shoot. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't shoot at the Orion ship because her, you know, yes, her friend's yeah. great grandmother was at part of the uh, the crew or whatever. Yes, and I love the fact that uh, Bolinger thought he broke Spock. Yes, he smiled. He never smiled. There's no report of him smiling. Never. I think I've changed time. <laughs> yeah, uh, how they handled the whole thing was really good. I thought. Yeah, it was just a fun little episode. Again, it's this show being this show. Which has made it my favorite Star Trek. You know what? The episodic nature of this, again, it, the, the throwback to the original series, it's sure, there's some overarching. Like, we have, I mean, they, they teased the Gorn at the beginning, the very beginning of the season and stuff like that. I have a feeling that's got to be coming because we don't yeah. have that many episodes left or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, just fun, not a lot of thought to it. You know, it, it, it ticks off some of the, the classic tropes and stuff like that. I mean, uh, you know what? It gives you even the name, These Old Scientists. It's just a little yeah. riff on yeah. TOS. Yeah. So you got the original series. I forgot about that. That was awesome. Yep. They brought up they brought up every series. Yeah. They, they did. They really, they touched they on They talked it. on uh, Enterprise, Voyager. And there was a reference to, like, Troy and... Yeah. Greenway reference. Yeah. Uh, there were... They just threw everything in it, and it was perfect. Yeah, how much a little, fun. little service for the fans. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd like to see them do it again. I'd like, like to see it. This this would not uh, hurt my feelings if they did it again. Yes. Especially if it was this clever. All right, we're still enjoying this one. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to ramp up a little bit with the Gorn. Yeah, they got to they make that turn now. So we'll uh, keep watching and keep you posted. <laughs>